Hi, this is Dan. And this is David. Welcome to Campfire Stories. Uh, we have Daryl back for, uh, with us this week, and uh, his son Avery's here too. <laughs> Say hi, Avery. Actually, Avery uh, is over in the dog kennel cage with the puppies at the moment. So he's removed himself from the situation. And that, that was his choice, right, Daryl? Uh, we'll say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was definitely his choice, although the idea of putting him in there is very appealing at times. And the door the door is not locked, correct? We're gonna, uh, again, we're going to say no. Apparently he knows how to unlock it. I found this out earlier. Yeah, humans have uh, fingers and thumbs, and they can usually do stuff like unlock the stuff. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> so I know David and I, we already discussed Kentucky, but uh, since we have Daryl back on uh, and he came on the, the Kentucky trip with us, we figured we might kind of revisit it and get Daryl's perspective of what happened on that trip, which in my opinion was a great trip. Um, we didn't go out. We didn't, we didn't set out on that trip to go and do a ton of miles. We weren't trying to push ourselves. We were trying to get it to be a relaxing, just kind of view seeing scenic kind of trip. Um, so did, did everyone else enjoy the trip? Absolutely. It was a good time. Um, like I said before though, it's not really my kind of style. I prefer the, uh, let's go hike a hundred miles with a hundred pounds on our backs and hundred degree weather and, uh, then relax at the end of the day. But it was I have really never, good. ever, I've never, ever known you to, to carry a hundred pounds. <laughs> well, usually uh, I guess I'm overestimating. I just automatically assume it's going to reach that point someday if I have to keep carrying my pack and David's pack and, David's and pack. <laughs> perhaps one day your pack and maybe even David, cause he weighs about 80 pounds. So <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, but but Kentucky, uh, specifically uh, the Red River Gorge in Daniel Boone National Forest. Uh, it was about a 14-hour trip or so for you um, to drive down, and it was about a 14-hour trip for me to drive up from Florida. And I think this one kind of uh, set in our minds that we should do like an annual thing, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this trip really made me realize how important it is to get out on a big trip every year. Because it was the most relaxing trip that I've ever been on, even including mm-hmm. all of the trips up to Mount Washington that I've been on, that I've told you guys about. Um, there's something different about Kentucky and camping out in the woods, not in a campground, and just the whole atmosphere, you know, being different. Uh, yeah, and I mean, there's there's plenty of places around. I think I think one of the big differences uh, with the Kentucky trip comparatively is just that it wasn't in our backyard. You know what I mean? Like, uh, even Washington, Mount Washington is, you know, it's only a couple hours away. We've done it a lot. Um, or at least David, you've done it a lot. And there's also, you know, the Nimmuck trail we talk about, you know, a lot lately. Um, we've done that one so many times. I mean, just not so much growing up, but you know, we, we biked it a lot. I mean, it was, it was right there and it's a beautiful trail, but every once in a while you got to get out of your comfort zone and see something new. Yeah. And I think that's that's one of the big reasons I wanted us to go do Kentucky. And this year, I really want to go do um, the Linville Gorge. I think another part of it that's kind of neat is the whole road trip part before the actual hiking and camping. Everybody loves a good road trip, you know, get in the car and Absolutely. just driving. And I think that added a lot to it as well. 
Um, for the uh, for your information, road tripping with Daryl not a good idea. Why, why is that, David? <laughs> he, he hacks loogies out the window and he backseat drives like a mother. Well, uh, I spend a lot of my time driving, so when somebody else drives, I, I have a hard time uh, letting go of control. And then David adds a whole new element because he's not a good driver to begin with. No, so no, I found myself true. having to uh, – there was a fake brake on the passenger side that I used a lot. There may be a hole in the bottom of that floorboard somewhere. Um, <laughs> but I would say road tripping with me, would, you know, we get places quicker. We get things done. Yeah. You know, I kind of put – I put the pedal to the And you get pulled over. And you get pulled over. You need a healthy uh, – Amount of Ativan on available if Daryl's going to be driving. <laughs> Come on, I don't have that heavy on flight. Average speeds maybe 80, 85 miles an hour, perhaps, which isn't yeah. that fast in rush hour traffic in Hartford. Yeah, <laughs> but good times, good times. So anyway, yeah, I think that the road trip part of it was kind of a nice touch. It adds to the whole experience. Um, but, you know, once we got there, we, we put our 14-hour drive behind us, and we got there, and we got out there to check things out. Uh, we were all pretty anxious to get going. Um, you know, were you going to say something? I was getting, I heard you getting ready to say something. <laughs> no. Um, well, so we, we got there, and, I mean, it's a beautiful area, and you guys came from one direction. Obviously, I came from a different direction. So when I pulled into the parking area, I had gone through that tunnel, uh, which is like part of like the things to see in the Daniel Boone National Forest, and you guys didn't get the opportunity to yeah. go see that. Um, but just pulling pulling into the park right there uh, was definitely something new and and fresh uh, to see compared to what I what I'm used to down in Florida and even uh, what I'm used to up in up in Connecticut. Um, so that's one of the big reasons I'm really kind of getting excited for the North Carolina trip is just something fresh and new. And I love the mountains in the Blue Ridge Mountains area up in, uh, up in North Carolina. And so seeing the mountains and the arches, I think that was one of the big reasons I picked Kentucky, um, and the Daniel Boone National Forest, specifically the Red River Gorge section of it, uh, was the arches, um, east of the... Mississippi or something like that. I think it's got more arches than anywhere else. Um, and they're, they're gorgeous. I mean, they're definitely something that if you've never seen large arches like that before, they're definitely something you have to see. Um, it's not a ton of hiking. Um, you can definitely get from one arch to another area with a little bit of driving in between if you wanted to. But of course you can do tons of hiking if you wanted to. I think the, the entire South to North or North to South area of the Daniel Boone National Forest is like over 200 miles. And the Red River Gorge section of that is, uh, is a good, is a a very large portion of it. Of course, uh, there's four different sections. Um, and all the names kind of escape me right now, but, um, between between the four, I thought the Red River Gorge section sounded the most interesting because it's where all the arches are. Um, the other three sections look really interesting as well. It's just they're not known for all the arches. So that's kind of why I decided that uh, I thought that we should meet up there. Um, what did you guys think of the arches? Like, have you guys seen arches like that before? Uh, For me, it was my first experience with any natural arches. I've seen pictures, obviously, usually of Arches National Park out in Utah, if I remember correctly. And Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what I was expecting going in. And 
what we actually were able to see and climb around on and uh, be a part of was something that was actually kind of cooler, in my opinion, because of the woods surrounding the arches. And it's just like they just pop out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. With so instead of just being out in the middle of a desert kind of area uh, that has arches all over it and, and all you see really is, um, you know, rocky mountains um, or flat face mountains uh, yeah. in Kentucky, you're really in, in, in a forest. Um, I mean, the name is not by mistake. It is definitely the Daniel Boone National Forest um, that you're in. And the Red River Gorge section of it, um by also by its name i mean there's there's a river going through the thing you know uh <laughs> none of these things are not obvious um but the fact that you come around on a trail and you hike up a couple of stairs or you're just hiking up a couple of rocks and then all of a sudden there is a an arch right there it's just something that kind of stands out um it's not like looking across a barren wasteland and seeing a whole bunch of arches all over the place this is more surprise 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 you know like you come around these corners and you have trees all over the place and then all of a sudden you have this amazing view and oh yeah you're also standing on split rock and you can hike down in between it and come out in the middle of of the the rock face you know like that whole area is just something that you're not going to see um everywhere you know that was also my first time uh being face to face with actual arches in person um i think the biggest draw for that place is probably a lot of the natural rock formations um not just the arches but they had some other rocks just large boulders in places and uh some cliffs and overhangs that just had some bizarre texture to them um they reminded me of coral almost they were just uh just bizarre but they were cool at the same time and i I know when we first got there we kept stopping and looking at all these that seemed to be every 15 20 minutes you come upon a new rock formation you just kind of stand in awe and then, you know, after about a half a day, the novelty kind of wears off and you keep trucking along. But um, definitely a lot of really cool rock formations. Um, another cool thing about that place was lots of just wild rhododendron bushes, um, which probably sounds kind of nerdy. But, you don't around here, you don't really see rhododendron bushes as big as that, for one, and two, just out in the wild like that. Um, I remember you had mentioned something about them. I'm not sure if they were planted there once upon a time or if they just grow naturally. But you know. To go full nerd on you, uh, rhododendrons, if I remember correctly, are actually native to Asia and uh, the Himalayas. And that's actually – they were introduced to the United States with trade and whatnot. So Roger and the full nerd. Well done. <laughs> so there you go. You get the history of rhododendrons there, but – Either way, the ones that have been growing there have to have been there for quite a while because there were some big ones. They haven't been like 12 feet tall, some of them, um, which isn't enormous, but rhododendrons don't typically, at least not from what I've seen, get that big. No. I mean, the ones that you curate in your yard around here, you're not going to let them get that large. So I would. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you Either way, I thought it was kind of a neat, you know, it was kind of a change of scenery, a little bit different kind of forest structure. Um but, yeah, it was definitely a cool place, some natural waterfalls. The trails were pretty – I felt like they were kind of on par with the uh, Monk Forest and Bigelow Hollow, mm. kind of the terrain, yeah, up and downs. they were very well-maintained. They were well-maintained, a lot up and downs, very hilly, you know, crossing small streams here and there. Um, it was definitely a good place to go hammock camping, definitely plenty of places to set up. That wasn't a huge drawback for us like it has been in the past. Um, well, except for uh, day two or the the second evening, um, I had brought a tent. 
you guys had brought hammocks, and I think that one spot, uh, that overlook, would have been amazing to camp out on. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it would have been. but And you... You know, would have seen the uh, the sun rising, right? On that from that position, you could actually from from that position you could have seen both because it was facing uh, it was facing north or south. I forget now, uh, but it, so you would have seen it come up on one side and and drop on the other side. Oh wow! Yeah, definitely was a cool spot, but yeah, I think that spot was actually facing north. And but it was open. It was open like a peninsula. Um, so you could have seen the sun coming up in the morning, and we could have watched the sunset at night uh, before we went to bed. That, that's definitely another drawback to the hammocks. We, there was no trees in that, so we couldn't set them up, and we had to let the spot go. But I was just saying in general, it wasn't like we were uh, hard pressed like we were on top of the whites, where there was no trees. No, absolutely. We, we had options. We just had to forego some of the more picturesque ones. Um, in lieu of having some trees to hang the hammocks on. Yeah. And I, I don't remember. I think uh, – was this the first trip David had his hammock on? Because uh, I know – It would have been because, yeah, he got, it for, he got it for Christmas just six months earlier. For us, actually, because we thought <laughs> it was about time he started getting some gear. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually went half and bought him the, uh, the hammock setup, which was actually kind of a complete setup. Yeah, it, it's worked out great, the ENO setup. So that was the first time David got to go hammock camping which uh, I don't – did you actually get a chance to set it up before you went, or is that your first time setting it up in the woods? I did set it up a couple times at home to practice. Um, Dan and, and I set it up at, for Christmas, actually yeah. went and got it, and we set it up. Uh, I think it was raining a little bit that day too, but that's okay. Um, and then I did I did practice at home a little bit. I, I brought it with me to – uh, another campground and then they told me I wasn't allowed to have it so I I wasn't I didn't uh, put it up where they could see it <laughs> yeah. so I don't really want to turn this into a hammock versus tent scenario I know you guys have already kind of done that but I'm curious can seems how that was kind of your first hammock experience how do you feel it chalks up against the tents uh, I still like hammocks better uh, I, I believe that's the conclusion that I had come to amen awesome I'm, I'm a hammock nerd myself um, I'm always torn. Uh, I think it depends on the situation. I agree. Um, it absolutely does. But I feel like if the situation allows me to use a hammock, I'm going to pick a hammock every time over a tent. Yep. But obviously the situation terrain will dictate. But um, so yeah, we, David got to use his hammock. We set up camp the first night. Now the first night toward the end of the day, I, I was blessed with uh, strep throat. My daughter had <laughs> contracted strep throat and my wife warned me to stay away because she knows going on the trip and I didn't listen Give my daughter a hug and a kiss before I left and uh, I got strep throat and I was pretty sickly and miserable oh yeah laid up in my hammock stuffed full of phlegm which is also why I was hawking the loogies David was talking about on the way down there out the window because it was starting to uh, show its presence (laughs) So, um, yeah. you know, aside from that, it was a pretty flawless trip. You know, we, we had a good time, we kind of did everything we set out to do. And um, I know you guys, you actually went out and explored and found that rock crevice. Yeah, led down into the cave while I was uh, convalescing in my hammock. <laughs> yeah. 
I was fortunate as well that being locked in a car with Mr. Strep Throat for 28 hours over that weekend, uh, I only had a tickle in my throat for about half a day, and then it was gone. So I was fortunate for that. I'd love to take that opportunity to make fun of you, but I will uh, hold myself back. Oh, okay. Show some restraint. I will. So, so, so David and I went and explored, and well, you were laid up um, for a little while, but we ended up dragging you back out there too, and we were able to explore that that area. I think it's called like Indian Rock or something, or Indian Split Rock or something like that. Um, and that was really that was really cool. Um, you kind of hike through a thing. We we had bumped into some other people who had heard that you could hike through it. And and check it out, uh, but they had never tried it before. They never actually gone into this little cave area, um, so we ended up going in. And for anyone listening, yeah, if you get over to uh, Daniel Boone National Forest and check out the Red River Gorge area, you definitely can go hike through this little cave thing, Split Rock. Uh, it's near like the Indian Staircase or something like that. Um, and the view that you end up seeing when you climb through it. I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a long cave diving sort of spelunking type of thing. I mean, it's a quick short, I mean, it's, it's not all that intensive. Well, it took about six or seven minutes to get up and over with all of our, uh, the camera gear and everything that you had. Yeah. And, and the view is definitely worth the, uh, the effort. Are you able to actually link the the short video you took to it, to this at all or? Yeah. Cause I mean, it probably won't do it justice. We found that most pictures and uh, attempts at capturing the stuff with cameras and whatnot don't do it justice. But I think it'd be kind of neat to post it up there so maybe anybody listening could check it out because um, it was cool. David was kind of lucky because, like I said, he weighs about eighty pounds. Is about four foot three, and um, <laughs> I know when we, <laughs> when we were cramming ourselves through that uh, crevasse, it was kind of a tight fit at some points. And I, I'm not a huge guy, but and I don't never really know myself to be no, claustrophobic. But he does eat a lot of pizza. I do eat a lot of pizza, and I never really know myself to be claustrophobic. But there were some spots, man. I was sucking it in for all I had, trying to <laughs> trying to get up and over and through. Um, just to kind of put in perspective, I'm I'm five foot eleven, probably two hundred and ten pounds. Um, and it was a tight squeeze. And there were some spots that were kind of a tight squeeze. There was one spot in particular I remember thinking. Uh, I'm going to get stuck <laughs> and it was not a pleasant feeling, but you know, you're not going to get stuck. I mean, unless you're six foot five, probably and 300 pounds, but once you get through the other side, it's just really cool. Um, it might be a little bit unsettling at first, unless you have like a headlamp or a light because you can't see the ground. Cause you're still kind of sun blind from coming in. And uh, your first, your first thought goes to what is on the ground in here? Is there a snake? Am I going to step on something that's going to bite me? <laughs> like you, you just can't help but feel that in the back of your brain. Um, yeah. See, funny. My, my first thought was, uh, Ooh, look at the light. I'm going to go towards it. <laughs> right. And that's what we were doing too. We were making simple, a way that Simple minds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's kind of like when we go hiking, you know, I just know I have to run faster than you two and I'm fine. <laughs> yeah I, I guess uh but that little cave thing was pretty cool the the whole opening it was almost um it almost looked like a cathedral it was just much smaller uh but the way the back wall kind of sloped upward and um then you had that crazy view and it was really nice it is at the risk of sounding like a uh apocalypse narrative it's kind of a cool place 
in the end of the world type scenario, very out of the way. Nobody could get the. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we, we kind of discussed that while we were there, but yeah, then exactly. the fact that you great place to go, but the fact that you only have, you know, you have, you have a great view, but no way out, uh, through that view. And then you have the crack that you can get out. So if someone just blocked it, you'd, you'd be, yeah. you'd be or in a bad situation. The whole pack of zombies came at you and one of them got through and you have nowhere to go. I, yeah. I believe zombies travel in herds, not packs. Okay, I apologize for the Just linguistic saying. error. Yeah, get on that, will you? <laughs> Some kind of nerd you are. No, all about rhododendrons, but nothing about zombies. Hey, yeah, it's not something, a, doesn't gotta, it, Dan? <laughs> flowers, not zombies. <laughs> That's a bumper sticker. <laughs> uh, and it kind of sums up David nicely. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are getting to know me a little well, and how often I insert my foot into my mouth. Luckily, I do not chew <laughs> as of yet. But um, so yeah, the, the cave was pretty cool. Um, I think toward the end of that night, I was feeling a lot better the next day, and then we kind of bounced around, did the touristy thing, saw the big arches. Um, I'd have to say that despite that, this was a lot more remote. There was still that touristy atmosphere that kind of bugged yeah. me and we that's were, just the section of the park that we were in yes no because even when we were up in that uh that overlook with that that cave that we climbed into you could hear the motorcycles on the road mm. going through the music that they were playing yeah mm. but it's a beautiful area and so yeah. I, I can't i can't fault people for getting on their motorcycle and driving through right. some of those roads i mean if i had a motorcycle and i agree uh, but at the same time the roads i'd want i know i know from a guy who's not on the motorcycle, who's out in the woods, like, man, I just wanted to peg a rock and see if I could hit yeah. one of those guys and just because it was annoying. I don't want to hear a big Harley going through the woods. So don't go into a canyon with a road going through it because the missing acoustics the point. of the canyon are probably you're, – You're kind of missing the point. I guess I'm just complaining. I'm getting on my – No, support. no, no, no. no. I, I follow you, Daryl, and I, I think David and I have discussed this kind of uh, topic previously. Um, if If – if we want our natural forests and, and natural areas to be as quiet as possible from from like the the city noise and that kind of stuff, uh, we have to do something about that. You know, yeah. um, the more people care about those lands, uh, and the more people kind of fight to preserve them, the better off we're going to be. Um, I mean, and if that we, means putting up with a motorcycle once in a while, that's not a terrible. No, 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 but that's not that's not even my. My my point. I mean, the thing is, is it's one motorcycle today. If if we if we but let the park system, if we birds, I think birds and motorcycles. <laughs> if we let the park systems, if we let the park systems fall apart and we don't preserve them, we don't take care of them. Uh, it's it's one motorcycle today. You know, it's it's fifty the next day, or it's you know a whole bunch of other stuff, or the or the park gets smaller because now we end up with main roads going through it. You know, it's just these are these are things that we need to preserve if if we care about them. That I is. agree. Yeah, and I absolutely. I remember that particular podcast. It, it kind of predates me. I've only been uh, chiming in here in the last three or four. I think this might be the fourth. I don't know. And um, I know you guys have made the point that uh, you want more people to get out there and enjoy the parks, and I think that's great. But then again, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate here. I hear that. And I think, man, I'm going out here to get away from people. I don't like people. I like very few people. So if I'm going out there to get away from people and then a bunch of people discover the wilderness and all I do is keep running into people out there, 
it kind of uh, it's a catch twenty two for me. Like I, I want the parks to be preserved. I want people to be aware of them, to respect them, but I don't want them to go out there. I just want it to be for me. And I know that's not really feasible or makes sense, but again, I I just don't want to be out there and constantly running into people. An occasional yeah. fine, yeah, nice people out there, I'm sure, but. But the only way that you can guarantee that you're not going to bump into people in the woods is to own the woods. That's still yeah. not even really and the even case. Then, people, I guess, like I said, it's just kind of a catch twenty two that I have. Like, I, I agree, you know, we need to preserve them and everything, yeah. but I don't want a bunch of people to go out there and flood the parks just because, you know, people if they're not really into nature and they're just doing it to on a whim, yeah. then they really don't respect it. If they're going out there yeah. because they respect it, that's a very different ballgame. If the, if the yeah, people, but people who go out there on a whim don't usually fight for it either. Yeah. If they go in and they take memories and leave footprints, then I don't mind having people like the bugs. But it's the ones who go in and they leave their garbage behind, uh, like Bigelow Hollow Park, mm-hmm. where we go all the time and it's covered in trash. Yep. Um, you know, and they or they snatch trees down or cut things and build shelters when you're not supposed to. Carve their name into rocks and yeah. spray paint stuff. You know, the backside of one of the first arches that we went to, you know, the front of it is beautiful. You get to the backside and it's all graffiti carved into rock. And uh, it, it just makes me sad. So I understand where Daryl's coming from, and I understand the need to preserve the parks as well, and that's only going to happen by having people know about them and, and use them. And care about them. And care but about it's, them. It's a, it's a vicious a, catch-22. There's like a, a little love triangle there. We need to know about them, use them, and care about them. We just got to limit everybody to only one child. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> but no, anyway... Um, <clears throat> it's it, it is a very in-depth topic and it's probably more than we could discuss in this podcast and i'm sure it'd be a lot of ranting and raving from everybody because uh, it's it's a very emotionally charged topic uh especially for outdoorsmen um you have some people on one side saying you know the liberals saying one thing we need to preserve for this reason and then you also have you know conservatives saying we need to preserve for other reasons yeah. Um, or not preserve. I mean, there's there's so many people. It's a very personal thing. I mean, when you have land and you spend time outside, um, <clears throat> you want to be able to share that with your children. You want to be able to do it again. You want to be able to go outside again and camp out there. Yeah, um, every day. You, you want you want these opportunities, especially. I mean, just for people who really love the outdoors, you want to be able to continue to have these opportunities, and so it can be a very heated topic. Uh, but it's probably more than we can discuss in just a 30 minute podcast. Certainly. Certainly. Wow. We have um, interesting. <laughs> Even shared the bird, same verbiage. Here, Dave. <laughs> but on that note, I guess we can close out the week. Um, you can find the podcast on iTunes. Uh, definitely give it a review. If you want to, uh, check out the website, camping canine.com. You can go to, um, uh, if you need, if you want to contact us, you can email us at thecampingcanine at gmail.com. And uh, thanks for joining us this week, and we will see you again next week.